Chapter number six, First Timothy chapter number six. I hope you're having a great week so far and uh, ready for our study this evening. We're going to look at the opposite of what we looked at last week. And I wonder if you ask yourself this question, what, what would life look like in order for you to be content? You ever thought about that? You'd be content if life looked like whatever. Where would that be? What would that look like? Somebody just tell me, what would life, what would be a great life? You could be content if life looked like the Caribbean. All right. Who said the Caribbean? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. Maybe your husband's got a surprise, huh? What would life, what would your life look like? Somebody, somebody else. All right. Worry less, is that what you said? No worries, yeah, yeah. And so we're going to look at being content this week. And uh, how many of you last week, I won't ask you to raise your hand and I won't ask you to, to comment on this, but in your own heart, how many of you coveted something this past week? There was something you wanted that it was not yours to have. And you were covetous of this thing. See, last week we looked at removing covetousness out of our life, but you can't just leave a void. Or you know what happens if you leave a void? You take something out and you leave a void there. You know what eventually happens? The thing that you tore out or took out of your life, normally it creeps back in. And so it caused this entire generation to stay in the wilderness. Now, God's purpose and plan was not for the children of Israel to leave Egypt and wander in the wilderness for 40 years. His plan was to get them into the promised land. But because of the attitudes that they had, it displeased God in how God dealt with that or the consequence of the complaining attitude or, or covetousness. God made them dwell in the wilderness. And so many people in their life, they, they live in this wilderness because of the attitudes that, that they have. And we're looking at an attitude, and in the following week what we're doing is looking at the replacement that we ought to have for that negative attitude. And so we find First Timothy chapter number 6. In verse number 1, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit those things teach and exhort. And he's, so he's telling Timothy, I want you to teach these things, exhort these things. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud knowing nothing but doing about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Look at verse number six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us 
be there with content. Found men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith and perceive themselves uh, uh, through with many sorrows. Be thou, O man of God, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. And so we're going to look at the opposite of covetousness. And I want you to see in verse number six, these are text verses this evening. We're going to be throughout these 10 or 11 or so verses that we read. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what we find then? The opposite then of covetousness is what? Contentment. And so covetousness is, is this, and I won't reteach what we looked at last night, but I, w- I want you to think about this. Is God has given you life, right? We, we said God gave the children of Israel manna. And they weren't content with manna. They wanted something different. They wanted something more. But manna had every ingredient that the human being needed to survive in the wilderness. There was nothing else, no, nothing else that was needed. We were, we were, myself and several other men were away these uh, last several days. And um, we were in, we were in the Dominican Republic. And we, we, one was, got maybe a little dehydrated. And, and so the, the whole time we were there, the missionary was telling us, you know, we're lacking potassium and we're lacking this. And, and so he's trying to tell us what to eat and what not to eat and what to drink and what not to drink and the minerals and the vitamins that we're supposed to take. And he got a really good education on how to, how to be able to survive 85 in high humidity, right? Um, he was telling us how to survive. And you guys were doing a good job surviving cold and snow and ice. And, and I knew that. I didn't dare tell my wife what the weather was like that the entire time I was there. But we were getting cramps in our legs, and he was telling us to eat more bananas and potassium and all these types of things. And do you realize this? In manna, every single thing that was needed, every, every ingredient, every vitamin, everything that was needed for them to survive the elements of the wilderness was in the ingredients of that manna. They didn't need anything more. And so what God gives us is what we need. We as humans, it seems at times we always want more. We're always looking at what God didn't give us. And so instead of looking at the manna that's there every morning for us to pick up, they said, what? We want meat. We want quail. And and so what they wanted, they didn't have. And so what they were saying is this, what you're giving me, God, isn't enough to fulfill. Your plan isn't sufficient. Your supply isn't enough. And so the opposite of that would be contentment. God, what you've given me is plenty. What you've given me, I I desire what you've given me. I'm content with what I have. And I want you to, um, we're going to talk about contentment. And so I want you to get this definition of contentment. Contentment is this, it's satisfaction in God's sufficient provision. Real simple. Contentment is this, satisfaction in God's sufficient provision. I'm satisfied realizing that your provision is sufficient. I need nothing more. It's satisfaction in God's sufficient provision. It means this, to rest in what one has and seek nothing more. In order for a person to truly be content... 
They're satisfied in what they have and they seek nothing more. And so as you hear this definition, would you say this? Are you content with God's supply? Are you content? Are you satisfied in, in his sufficient provision? Are you resting in what he has or are you seeking more? To seek more would be covetousness. Contentment says this, I rest in what you have. It means this, a settled sense of adequacy. The attitude of heart that, that says, I have enough. Do you look at what you have in life and say, I have enough? Enough. Keith was, Keith was on the trip with us, and the last night we, we uh, went to dinner, we, we went, and, and the missionary there, I think he was trying to, he was trying to uh, uh, thank us, and so we went to this restaurant, and man, they just kept bringing out this food. And, and, I mean, this, this steak he put in front of us, I mean, it was, it was huge. And, and it was about a third of what you would pay for it here in the States. And it was even good. Um, but we sat there, and he kept saying, hey, you want more of this or this? And, and finally, everyone just said, we've had enough. We're stuffed. We, we couldn't take in any more. We were content. And, and content says this, I've had enough. I've, I'm fine. Covetousness says this, God, there's always more that I need. God, your provisions aren't enough. There, there's always something I see that I think I want. But contentment would be, God, this is enough. This is sufficient. And I, and I want you to think about that as we talk this evening about contentment, because would, would contentment or covetousness describe your life? And covetousness sounds so wicked and so evil, and obviously it's sin. Sometimes we just don't want to imagine that we could, we're not that bad, but anytime we're not content, we're covetous. Anytime that we're not content with God's sufficiency, we're saying, God, you forgot something that I need. And so I want you to think about this evening. Which, what describes your life? And I, I want you to notice here in verse number six, the Bible says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment in itself isn't great gain. The Bible has this partner word there, godliness with contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. One of the things I, I say often, and I, I've said this for a reason, um, because I, I talk to a lot of folks, and, and even in our church, that they watch a lot of, um, they, they watch a lot of television and, and preaching and listen to things uh, on the internet. And unfortunately, right now, a lot of what you listen to and watch and, and hear, even a lot of what you read under disguise of, disguise of religion is a lot of prosperity gospel. It's a lot of this, if you do for God, God will do for you. If you give, God gives. If you do this, God does, does, does these things. And, and really, what it, the ministry of the gospel is not, it's not a means of gain. If somebody thinks that if I get saved and I 
give or do these things that I'm going to get, that, that's a perversion of the gospel. We, we, were, we were down in the Dominican and a lot of the, the missionary that we, we were with said a lot of the preaching down there in a lot of the churches because obviously they're very poor. And so when somebody comes with a gospel of this will make you rich, they want to they wanna grab onto it. And in a lot of countries where there's poverty, they, unfortunately, they're willing to even take from, from those that have nothing to convince them that if you give, then, then God's going to give back to you. And in, in, in the ministry, the, 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 the ministry of the gospel, it's not a means of, of gain. So it's not, as Christians, we must understand this, that the gospel and the ministry of the gospel is not for us to get we don't do things so that God gives us something. It's a perversion of the gospel. The gospel is, is Christ died. He did everything. He went to the cross. He left heaven. He went to the cross. He bore my sin. And in and, and, and salvation, eternal life, that's sufficient. That's all we need. And, it, and to add anything to that would be, would be wrong. But I, I want to say this, though, a desire for gain is not wrong, though. But it, it does cause many to desire wrongly, though. Everybody in this room, if you were truthful, you would say there's a desire to gain. It's a human desire. When, when, when I was single, you know what I wanted to gain? A wife. When, when, when I got married, you know what I wanted to gain? Children. I want a job, and I, I, want, to, I want to gain, I, I want a paycheck. How many of you love to work without a paycheck? Anybody? No. It's part of us as humans to, to gain and desire gain. There's nothing wrong with gaining. Desire for gain is not wrong, but, but we have to be careful because it can, it can, if we're not careful, our desires can be wrong in desiring gain. And, and we all want it. It's in us, but I want to give you, I want to give you some false, false equations for happiness when it comes to gain, and that, and that would be this. These are some things that we can, even in Christianity, if we're not careful, and that would be this. Number one, godliness plus, plus prosperity is great gain. And so godliness plus prosperity, then I'm going to be happy. And as I said, that's where we've got to be very careful it's an error. God doesn't, God doesn't promise wealth to anybody. Number two would be this, godliness plus poverty is great gain. Some believe this, so if, I just, if I live a very poor life and, 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 and if that's what I live and I don't want anything and I don't want prosperity, I want the total opposite of that, then I'm going to have great gain. And that's not truth either. Some believe this, godliness plus power is great gain. And that power, control, or others, or influence, godliness plus those things, then I'll have great gain. And the Bible doesn't say that in verse number six. And some, some even good Christians believe godliness plus family harmony is great gain. And, and, and my, my Christianity is having an amazing family. And if I have an amazing family, then, then that's great gain. But the Bible doesn't even say that in verse number six. And there's nothing wrong with having a, a great family. But, but having a great family, an amazing family, isn't the end all in Christianity. 
Godliness plus ministry success or, or, or career success is great gain. And, and we need to be very careful that, that we don't put our identity in our career success or our ministry success. Because if we put it in those types of things, you know, it will always come up empty. And great gain isn't found in those things. The Bible says this, godliness plus contentment is great gain. Godliness and being content with where God has you, with what God has given you, that is great gain. Some, and I don't, I don't know if this would be anyone in this room this evening, but I, I wonder, have you ever, at a time in your life, have you ever judged God harshly because you haven't experienced the gain you thought you deserve? You, you didn't get what you made, but, but it's not exactly the way you wanted it to be. In reality, there are many Christians that, if, if they're not careful, they, they judge God. They didn't get what they think they deserve, and so they become angry with God. They, they didn't, the life didn't happen. The, 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 the health wasn't the way it's supposed to be, or the family unit wasn't like it was supposed to be, or the job wasn't like it's supposed to be, or we're, we're experiencing something in our life, and we're saying, this just isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And in our heart, we might not want to say it out loud, but the reality is, as we judge God harshly, God, what's wrong? Because this is what success looks like to me. This is what I want life to be. And what we need to realize and understand is this, that godliness plus contentment, whatever God gives you, is what God wants you to have. And whatever God gives you is sufficient. And you don't have to look outside of, if, if I, I, I gave you the, the illustration last week of, 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 I said to, to, said to my wife, and, and, and what, a, what a horrible, horrible thing. But I remember saying to her, boy, if you, if you could do, like, I've got a friend that just has an amazing, you know, pastor friend that's got an amazing wife. She teaches and she does all these things. If you could do what she does, that would be great, wouldn't it be? And I learned real quick, Dave, that's not what you say to your wife. God didn't give me that wife. And that wife isn't what is needed for me to be successful in ministry. What I need to be is content with the wife that God gave me. In being in content with that wife that God gave me, that brings godliness plus great content, plus contentment brings what? Great gain. We always, if we're not careful, our flesh looks for great gain in what we don't have instead of looking for it in what we do have. And if we're not careful, we judge God harshly because we don't have what we think we deserve. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 7, the Bible says this, For we brought nothing into this world, and it, was, it is certain we can carry nothing out. Real simple. This verse is so simple to understand. How many of you, you were there at the birth of your children? I, I, was, I was there at the birth of my children. And not one of my children brought anything other than nakedness into this world. Nothing. They, they weren't clothed. They, they didn't bring a, a, you know, a rent check or formula or diapers. I mean, we had to bring all of that to, to them. They brought nothing into this world. 
And you know what the Bible says? They're taking nothing out. Think about this. I want, you to, I want you to really evaluate your heart. Think about the agony that we put ourselves through to get something we can't have forever. We brought nothing into the world. You're taking nothing with you. Nothing. But think about the agony that we've put ourselves in this world trying to get something that we can't even have forever. Think about the thing that you missed out on that you couldn't get. The promotion, the raise, the this or that, the, the finances. I mean, think, think about the things that bring you frustration or agony. Listen to me, those things you can't even take with you, yet in this life we get so upset because we can't have them. Relationships that are, that are hurt and, and wounded, fighting over things that, that we can't even take with us. If you want contentment, you, you have to constantly be thinking about one thing. And listen to me, that is eternity. I think if we as Christians, if we're not careful, we can live our, our lives in eternity is not something we think about. Now, I'm not trying to be morbid here. I'm not saying death. I'm talking about eternity. Because eternity for the Christian is the opposite of death. It's life, life everlasting. But how many of us live our lives and we never think of eternity? How many of us today, how many of you, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you thought about eternity today? How many of you, the decisions you made from the time you woke up to the time you're sitting here right now hearing this message, you made decisions based upon eternity? So oftentimes we get frustrated not because we're thinking about eternity, but because we're thinking about the present. We're not frustrated because we're content. We're frustrated because we're covetous. We're frustrated because we're desiring something we don't have. We're frustrated not because we're content with a life we have, thinking about eternity and, and the life in eternity. We're frustrated because we're looking, saying, I deserve something right now that I don't have. And God is saying to you, you have everything that is sufficient enough for you to live your life according to his will. And so many want that thrill that this world offers at the expense of a contentment. So many marriages are ruined because one or both spouse, they, they fail to be content. So, so many people miss out on what God, the peace and the joy that God wants to give the Christian because they're looking at what they don't have instead of being content with what God has given you. How, how many of you, you can think back 25 years ago? How many of you would say it almost seems like yesterday? I, uh, my, my son was, we were talking about driving, and I, and, and I said, I, I didn't realize, I said, Jacob, I've been driving longer than you've been alive. And then he said, Dad, how long have you been driving? And, and honestly, I, I remember taking the test, and I remember going through all that, and I, and I wanted to say, well, I, it was, seemed like just yesterday, but it, it wasn't just yesterday. My, my 
dad died, it'll be 12 years ago this year, and I feel like it was, I, I feel like we were just there yesterday at that, at that casket doing his funeral. And, and as I thought about this message, just how fast time goes, it'd be 12 years this year. And I feel like it was just yesterday. And so, if we're not careful, listen to me, Christian, life goes so quickly. Some of you are enjoying grandchildren. And it feels like your kids were just born yesterday. Your, your Jacob graduates this year, and, and I remember my wife slicking his hair back and putting him in his little uniform and he had his backpack and he was starting kindergarten. And now it's talking about graduation parties. And life goes so quick. Listen, how... It's a a moment in, in eternity. And we put so much into this moment in eternity. We put so much frustration and so much shame and so much guilt and so much envy and so much covetous, if we're not careful, 